Hello, thank you for joining us today on Uptime Logistics. I am your host, Doug Draper, and Uptime Logistics is powered by Cap Logistics. Um, so please reach out to those guys at uh, caplogistics.com if you have any transportation logistics needs. But the most important topic today, uh, I'm super excited about it. We're gonna be talking about renewable energy, um, specifically solar and how that uh, integrates with our daily lives and in our business world as well. So really Denver is working to enable sustainable and resilient climate safe uh, future really by collaborating with departments and other units of government and community partners, which is what we're going to talk about today. I didn't know this, but um, cities generate about 70% of global greenhouse gases. So this is a very relevant topic. And today, specifically, we're going to talk about programs and services that help make Denver one of the healthiest and most sustainable places to live. A um, little bit of background, some case studies, and uh, maybe answer some of your questions. So I am certainly not the expert. We have one with us, uh, and it's Jonathan Rogers. He's with the Office of Climate Action, Sustainability, and Resiliency. That's a mouthful, my friend. Jonathan, welcome to our show. How are you doing? Doug, thanks so much for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah. Looking awesome. forward to the conversation. Good, good, good. Well, before we get into the uh, the meat of the show, we always like to learn about our guests and and, uh, and go from there. So tell us about yourself, kind of where you grew up, uh, uh, things you're passionate about, and then we'll jump into it. So let us know. Sure thing. So I'm Jonathan Rogers, but feel free, call me Johnny. I'm the Renewable Energy Specialist for the City and County of Denver in our Office of Climate Action, Sustainability, and Resiliency. Absolutely a mouthful, but you know, effectively my role is to figure out and work with our partners on how do we transition Denver's energy systems to provide a reliable, affordable, and carbon-free future. Now, as you mentioned, uh, cities are a big source of climate emissions. It's going to take all of us working together to figure out how do we add solar, battery storage, you know, how do we connect with electrified buildings and forms of transportation to better manage our energy resources and ensure that we can have sustainable power for generations to come. So before my role with the city, you know, I really got into climate action work, uh, doing a master's program focused on growing algae to make biofuels. So I was working in a lab growing different strains of algae and figuring out how do we extract that oil to try to make more sustainable forms of transportation or using that oil to make things like bioplastics that can help to offset, you know, the various components in a barrel of petroleum. Mm -hmm. Now, when I came out of my master's program, I wasn't super optimistic about algae's potential for transportation, but I loved the idea of really getting into the weeds on trying to figure out, you know, what are the uh, technical solutions that we need for the climate crisis and how do we make sure that they are scalable and economically viable. So I ended up working for a number of years for a consulting firm in Washington, DC, working with the US Department of Energy in their bioenergy technologies office, their office of technology transitions, where we tried to help bring cutting edge tech from the national laboratories into the commercial space. And also began writing climate action plans for states and local governments as they tried to figure out you know, what their role was in the energy transition. It was in the right place at the right time in Denver uh, to be able to take on the lead of this role in our climate office. They're the first person who's been tasked with really trying to come up with this coordinated strategy on how do we decarbonize our energy systems? 
both for our municipal facilities as well as for the broader community and the state and regional networks that we're a part of. Hmm. That's great. The pedigree and resume is impressive, Johnny. You and I didn't talk about that before. So I've just been working in warehouses most of my life. So I'm very impressed <laughs> with, with everything. And I'm, I'm, I'm excited because you have a, a really genuine way of explaining some of the technology around solar and how it engages with community in a very simple way. And I think our audience will appreciate that. So, um, so let's kind of jump into it, man. What, um, you know, whenever we talk about, um, you know, terminology and things of that nature, sometimes I think it's good just to kind of start at the very beginning. And as simple as this question sounds, like talk about the different types of solar that are uh, being utilized here in Colorado. Absolutely. So when we think about, you know, the, the utility system that we're a part of, there's a whole number of ways that, you know, we can add power to it. And then a number of ways in which customers can access that power. In Denver, we're served by a monopoly utility, Excel Energy. So they operate, you know, the utility scale grid. They're bringing on large projects that get selected through their electric resource plan, which happens on, you know, a five-year cycle. But for customers like Denver and, you know, other commercial businesses or residents who might have <clears throat> more ambitious clean energy goals, they want to figure out how do we go farther faster? So that's where on-site solar can play a really big role. You know, if you have space on your rooftop or, you know, a parking lot that can handle uh, covered parking, kind of solar canopies, or, you know, maybe you're a, uh, you know, our Denver airport, for example, has a lot of land where we're able to build solar. You know, all of that can connect back to your location, provide power through your electrical meter mm -hmm. and help to offset your utility costs. Now, not every customer has space on their roof or a nice big parking lot or, you know, land adjacent to their facility. So need to think about, well, where else can I source that clean power from? Now in Colorado, uh, I think it was back around 2013, the community solar program was formed. So that means that a community solar developer can apply to Excel Energy to build a solar project somewhere on their distribution system, connect that power back to the grid, every kilowatt hour that gets produced gets counted, an equivalent number of bill credits is available to that community solar project. And then what they can do is work with different subscribers, say, hey, we want to credit that power to your account. Mm -hmm. So if you don't have you know, space on your roof or you know, somewhere on your property, you can buy into a community solar garden help support adding that clean power to the grid somewhere where it's going to make a positive impact and receive that credit as a savings on your utility bill. Gotcha. So on, on site, um, the two types you just spoke about on site, that's really for powering my specific location. Right. Um, and, and then the community solar is more, you buy into it and then they distribute, um, like you said, kind of a, a credits and net metering back. That's kind of the difference between the two. Yeah. And, and the way that, you know, we like to think about it with our programs is, you know, we need as much clean power coming onto the grid as, as we can get, because we need mm -hmm. the whole system to get closer to 100% uh, renewable energy. But when you build it on site, you might be able to tap into some additional benefits of, okay, you're using that power now right where you're producing it. So 
becomes a, a an ideal situation where maybe you want to couple it with battery storage. You know, maybe you have a electric vehicle charger where you want to take the power from your rooftop solar panels, put it into your vehicle. And the technology is actually getting to the point where you might be able to send power from your vehicle back into your building. So there's a number of resiliency benefits associated with on-site solar that you might not get with the off-site or community solar approach. Mm-hmm. But then there's, you know, on the flip side, some benefits with community solar in terms of the ability to distribute those bill credits. And as I'll talk about in Denver's programs, you know, being able to target them towards nonprofits or low-income households who could really benefit uh, from those bill savings is kind of killing two birds with one stone, adding clean power to the grid and providing targeted bill credits to help folks uh, relieve their energy burden. Yeah. That's great. So I know that folks around have, have seen um, solar on residential roofs, and, and uh, some of our listeners may actually have solar solar panels on, on their roofs, but this is specific kind of to the commercial application. So a few ways that commercial customers can go solar and, and how can they share those benefits. You spoke about it just a second ago, but I'd like to dive a little bit a little bit deeper. So if I'm a landlord and I own a building or um, I rent my space and I may want to have a, a, a pitch to my landlord about uh, sustainable options for, for energy, talk about the commercial building use. Um, let's start there. Sure thing. So, you know, if you're a commercial customer, you're interested in going solar, uh, if you have the space at your site, I think on-site solar is a great option. Uh, the way that those customers are compensated is through something called net metering. Mm-hmm. So effectively, Excel Energy or ut- your utility is going to count how much power is flowing from the grid back to you as a customer. And then when your solar panels are producing, obviously you won't be pulling as much power from the grid. And there might be certain times of the day where, where you're actually sending power back to the grid. And when that happens, your utility meter will actually run in reverse. Mm-hmm. So at the end of the month, they're going to keep track of Okay, how much did you pull from us? How much did you send back? What's the net amount? And that's all that you're going to get charged for. So it's a great way to offset uh, your utility costs. And at least the programs that are set up in Colorado in Excel Energy Service Territory, it's a really low barrier for participation. Mm-hmm. Really, any customer can submit an application saying, hey, I'm you know moving forward with this solar project. There'll be a interconnection agreement that effectively just says, you know, hey, we're going to make sure that when our solar project connects to the grid, it's going to play nicely. You know, we're using you know, standard equipment and, you know, utility approved technology. Uh, really, any, any solar developer out there is going to make sure that uh, you're connected safely and in a way that, you know, can meet the standards of the uh, utility program. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you'll, you'll get a project up, up and running in no time and be able to start generating power and, and saving money uh, for your facility in short order. Mm-hmm. Now, the community solar option uh, is kind of hit or miss in terms of whether or not that capacity is available. There's only you know one or two annual offerings that Excel Energy makes for new projects. Net capacity tends to go very quickly. So oftentimes there can be, you know, long waiting periods as to you know, customers trying to match up with the developer and you know, when is that project going to come online so they can start receiving bill credits. So it can be tricky to time it just right, but mm-hmm. we've certainly seen robust participation from commercial customers in Colorado. And we've also seen you know, commercial property owners that might have 
extra land or space available, lease that space to solar developers. In that way, they're helping to facilitate that addition of clean power to the grid. Mm-hmm. And they might get you know a monthly or annual lease payment um, for their you know, participation in the project. Mm-hmm. That's another great way for commercial customers to uh, participate. Yeah. Yeah, I'd not thought about that, that if you have, if you're passionate about it uh, and you have some land, that's another, I mean, what you just described is beneficial in the big picture that I wouldn't have thought of. So I'm going to go back to a a question that popped up when we were talking about, and I'm sure our listeners have the same thing. So I own a building and I'm in the warehouse industry and um, there's lots of buildings and big warehouses with flat roofs and I want to engage and I'm talking to, you know, developers. But this is a uh, pretty substantial financial undertaking. What, how does that work? Say, hey, I'm going to give my roof, you know, uh, give you access to my roof to generate power. But this thing is going to cost $5 million, $10 million to get up and running. Talk about those different types of situations and, and, and uh, who pays for it, what type of programs are out there. Because um, there may be folks that say, I'm all in. I just don't have the money to, uh, to engage with an on-site project. So talk to a little bit about that. Yeah, so I mean, it it depends on you know the scale of the project and you know who you really want to receive the benefits of that power. And unfortunately, there's a number of different financing opportunities that are available. Mm-hmm. You know, we've been seeing for our municipal facilities, you know, uh, something like a city rec center that might be twenty five thousand you know square feet uh, for the building. Now, those projects will come in, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars. So it's certainly not a five million or, or a ten million dollar project, but of course, you know, that still is a, a substantial upfront investment, mm-hmm. and it might take, you know, a number of years to pay off. I think a lot of businesses are used to saying, "Hey, we're not going to do anything unless it's, you know, a two or three year simple payback." Um, you know, I think that's for each organization to make their own judgment whether or not, you know, a ten year payback is, you know, aligned with their goals. And knowing that, yes, you know, the lifetime of the solar project could be 20 or 30 years. I'd say first step is make sure that your roof is in really good condition. If you're thinking about putting solar on the roof, we really only look at uh, roofs that have been replaced within the last two to three years because mm-hmm. we're trying to get the most out of this equipment. And the moment you need to pay someone to deinstall, repair the roof, and then reinstall your solar you eat into a lot of your utility bill savings that you might expect over that uh, project lifetime. Mm-hmm. We also definitely see the economics are a lot better if you do have the capital to make that upfront payment. The moment you start, you know, taking out a loan from a third party and you're, you know, paying back that loan with interest, again, that's another thing that eats into your long-term savings. But you know, you can certainly we you know build economic models all the time to figure out, you know, what is our tolerance. In terms of payback, you know, what do we need to be offsetting from our utility bill versus what, you know, interest rate do we need to get for our loan in order for this to make sense? Or how much do we need to buy down to begin with? Mm -hmm. Now, the Inflation Reduction Act that was just signed into law is a huge opportunity for commercial building owners and nonprofits alike. Now, historically, there's been an investment tax credit. That this year was at 26% and was going to step down to 22%. That's been reset to 30% uh, tax credit for any investment in solar and battery storage. So, right there, you know, that, that can help dramatically with the economics of a solar project and bring you from, you know, a 10 year payback to 
uh, you know, maybe five years or something like that. Yeah. Now with nonprofits and local governments, we're not, you know, taxable entities. We're, we're tax exempt. So that's not been something that we've been able to capture in our projects. But the uh, Inflation Reduction Act has created a provision where those entities now qualify for a direct payment equivalent to the investment tax credit. So the details are still being worked out by the IRS or, or whoever it is that's going to kind of facilitate that program for the feds. But we're really excited. We had $20 million worth of solar projects lined up that are going to be installed over the next year on city and county of Denver property. Mm-hmm. Now, if we're able to capture 30% of that back, that just opens up a, a huge opportunity for us to continue to invest in our program and, and drive both our climate and equity goals forward. Yeah, I like to, to hear that you have a team that can do you know a financial assessment, if you will. I can't remember the exact terminology you used a minute ago, but if I'm a, a, a owner of a building and I'm like, okay, this is going to cost X number of dollars and immediately turn off and say, that's not viable. Um, but it sounds like, you know, hey, talk about it, work through the options. There's other things out there and other programs. Uh, and the fact that you can walk through the individuals and the owners, um, that's pretty cool. I didn't I didn't realize that that service was available. So that's great that you identified that. Yeah. I mean, I would say definitely, you know, reach out to, uh, you know, if you're a city and county of Denver building, reach out to us. We, we want to help people you know, with their clean energy goals and nonprofits in particular, you know, we have programs that the city funds specifically mm-hmm. to help organizations go solar. You know, we, we really focus on, you know, who are the nonprofits that are providing critical services in their communities, places like, you know, health clinics, affordable housing providers, food pantries, homeless shelters, you know, locations where we really want to make sure that, you know, in the event of a grid outage or some kind of catastrophe, you can continue to provide services. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the 99% of the time that that's not the case where we're, you know, it's just normal operations. How do we help you lower your utility bills, your operating costs, so that you can invest more in your services uh, for the community that, that depends on you? Mm-hmm. So we have our Renewables and Resilience Incentive Program for nonprofits. We've got 10 contracts underway right now, um, one of which with an organization called Servicios de la Raza. They're the largest provider of health and human services for Latinos in the state of Colorado. And we're working with them on a 35 kilowatt solar project with two bi-directional EV chargers, 100% paid for by our office. And then we work with them over time to really, you know, collect the data and evaluate, you know, the benefits that this solar project, this, you know, um, implementation of distributed energy resources provides to them as an organization and try to strive for how do we ensure that they can continue to provide services no matter what happens uh, on the system um, and just really support them as an organization going forward. So if you're a nonprofit out there and that's you know something that you feel like, hey, I, I provide critical services to my community, you know, call us up, find my contact information. I'm sure, uh, Doug, we can get it you know, in the show notes uh, for people. We'll drop some links to our programs. But that's a great one that we encourage folks to take advantage of. And then if you're a you know commercial building and you're wondering, you know, hey, how can I go solar and also get back to my community? You know, we can certainly help with that. And there's a great example from uh, Cap Logistics that I'd be happy to talk about 
um, yeah. if now's the right time for it. Oh, for sure. It's that's, We're having a great conversation. So, yeah, I think uh, examples help tell a story better than anything else. And so I'm glad that you brought that up. So, you know, Cap reached out and said, hey, we want to we want to do better and do good. And um, they did exactly what you're talking about. So, yeah, why don't you elaborate what transpired? Uh, talk a little bit about the timing, funding, all that kind of good stuff. So perfect timing. Johnny, let her rip, man. Talk about the project with Cap. Awesome. Yeah. So this is, like you said, exactly the type of example that, you know, we get excited about when a commercial building approaches us and says, hey, we've got this big rooftop, you know, we've got a warehouse and, you know, we've done the math, we can put solar on it and it's going to cover 150% of our needs. And now, you know, they also recognize, you know, Cap Logistics, this is exactly the type of example that we want to see folks setting. They also want to be a good neighbor, you know, realizing that extra power you know, they could either not build it or, you know, what do they do with it? How do, how do they make uh, the most productive use of that extra power? Mm-hmm. And so Colorado state law actually allows any excess solar power that's generated on a you know commercial or, or residential property can be donated to low income households at the end of each year. There's an organization that's been set up, Energy Outreach Colorado. They're a kind of state-formed nonprofit that provides um, energy-related services for low-income households, things like bill payment assistance, you know, weatherization services. You know, they're helping when somebody's furnace breaks in the middle of the winter, they figure out how to how to keep those families warm. Um, so they they can work with an organization like CAP and say, all right, you know, you're in the uh, Swansea neighborhood, you know, we have a number of families here who could really benefit from your excess power. And here's how we're going to make sure that, you know, it flows to them so that, you know, they don't get their power shut off because they are struggling to make a uh, bill payment. Now you can help get them through what might, might be one of the most challenging moments of their lives and, you know, just be a really good neighbor. So we're helping the climate and we're helping our neighbors. And, and that's how really everybody's going to win in our energy transition and hopefully more folks uh, follow CAP's lead um, as they think about the solar configuration that makes the most sense uh, for their facilities. Mm -hmm. That's terrific. So one question that I I, uh, threw out when you and I first met and we were were talking a little bit and um, my initial, well, the answer, it makes a complete sense. So my question was, all right, so I have excess power and I'm passionate about this nonprofit and I want my power to go from my building directly to that nonprofit because personal connections or whatever there may be, uh, you're passionate about that organization. Um, uh, so we talked about that and that's not really viable, but talk, so I guess explain to our audience because I kind of already know the answer, but I thought it was a phenomenal answer and explanation. So I want this power to go specifically to this entity Talk about if that's possible, and then talk about how um, the organization makes it makes it happen. So, yeah, so it depends on the program. Unfortunately, if it's you know a rooftop solar project connected to your utility meter, which is you know the easiest way to get solar on your building is through that kind of on-site behind the meter type project. And then anything you produce in excess, you're going to work with Energy Outreach Colorado to get it to low-income households specifically. Now, they may have some ability in the way that the law is written and the uh, utility rules and regulations are set up to try to funnel that power to, you know, your nonprofit of choice. But really, they're going to look at, you know, we've got 
households who are falling behind on utility bills, people who are you know really struggling to make ends meet. And so it's kind of a need-based allocation of we're going to help those who really need it the most. And you know, I, I assume that they'll be able to work with entities to try to ensure that that benefit stays local. Mm-hmm. So if you're you know a local organization in a particular neighborhood and you want to make sure that that uh, benefit stays there, you know, Energy Outreach Colorado is fantastic and, and they can help you do so. Mm-hmm. And the community solar program is where you can get much more specific mm-hmm. and really identify the exact utility account that you want to receive power. Mm-hmm. But as I mentioned earlier, it's a much more competitive program and very hard to actually get approval for projects. Mm-hmm. And we're very fortunate in Denver that we've received approval for 11 projects, uh, the first 10 of which are a portfolio, kind of around downtown, a number of parking lots for city rec centers, uh, public high schools, um, two rooftops at the National Western Center, and two ground-mounted trackers out at the uh, Denver airport. And we formed a partnership with Denver Public Schools um, saying, hey, you know, we really want to make sure that you know, we're maximizing the benefit of the power that we're donating back to the community. Can you help us out? Mm-hmm. So their family and community engagement office has about a thousand families every year that approach them who are falling behind on utility bills, you know, at risk of, of being disconnected from utility service. And, you know, when you've got kids in school and you're trying to make ends meet, you know, that's an existential crisis that I, like I can't believe in the amount of stress that that might put on a family or on those, those students who might mm-hmm. have their entire world turned upside down. So our program is going to be donating power to those families identified by Denver Public Schools, the power donation facilitated by Energy Outreach Colorado, uh, you know, really helping helping folks keep keep the lights on. So we're really excited, excited by that. And then our 11th project kind of takes things a, a step further where we're actually partnering with um, Denver Botanic Gardens, building a four acre farm down at their Chatfield Farms location. So the 1.2 megawatt solar array going up on that farm will be able to provide power to over 250 uh, Denver Public School families in need, uh, in addition to meeting the entirety of the electrical load uh, requirements at the, D- the Denver Botanic Gardens location. The, the Botanic Gardens folks are going to be operating that farm, donating food crops to local food pantries, creating job training programs as they do so. They've got a great program for uh, getting veterans, you know, kind of hands in the dirt, um, you know, reconnecting with the earth. They have about 190,000 visitors a year that come through that site. Mm-hmm. So we're really trying to use it as, you know, a public education opportunity, you know, really highlighting what's it going to take for us to address food, energy, and water security. Early tests have shown that, uh, having the solar panels um, above the crops actually help with moisture retention in the soil. Mm. And as our you know, summers have been getting hotter, the climate's getting more arid, uh, can be pretty critical towards helping increase uh, agricultural yields and might be a model for the future that we really hope is uh, scalable um, and at a much bigger scale across the country. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are things that I wouldn't have even thought of. You know, our our listeners may be like, I didn't even think that, uh, you know, soil and helping with crop growth is, uh, you know, a benefit of, of just generating power. So I'm glad that you mentioned that. 
I'm going to shift gears for a second and talk about the future, right? I know we always kind of look five years out, seven years out. I'm, I know that the technology has come a long way. So let's um, fast forward five years out. Um, what are things looking like? And whether that's technology advancements, um, program uh, advancements, and what things do we have to look forward to to continue to provide these services um, that we're discussing? Absolutely. I think, you know, as the grid gets cleaner and we're adding more solar, more wind, more clean power, it's going to get really important to manage when that power is available. So I think we're going to start to see a shift in our programs towards that battery storage and thinking about, all right, not just how do we add more panels to the grid, but how do we do so in a way that's going to really maximize the resiliency benefit of we want to put them in places where the grid can really benefit from having that power next to locations that might double as emergency shelters or places like you know, hospitals, other critical infrastructure where you want them to always have a reliable source of power. Mm -hmm. And then really trying to couple those systems with the storage technologies that continue to come down in cost and improve in performance so that we can ensure that, you know, when the sun shines during the day, we can use that power overnight as well. And likewise, as, you know, the grid might have a big influx of, you know, wind capacity at some point, you know, just how are we moving those resources around to really get us to that carbon-free future? Because it's a challenge right now that, you know, these resources are available, they're plentiful, but then there might be moments where, okay, the sun's not shining and the wind's not blowing and, you know, Excel has to turn on their gas power plants to preserve system reliability. Uh, those are the kinds of challenges that we're going to have to overcome mm -hmm. and really where our attention is going to going to shift. But along the way, we want to make sure that everyone has an opportunity to participate in the solutions, that the market signals that are sent and that compensate customers for you know producing their own power or storing their own power are enough to really encourage them to participate. And that, you know, the folks who are out there, the nonprofits who are really, you know, the pillars of their community are supported in, in a number of ways. Mm -hmm. That's great. Yeah, it totally makes sense with the storage, right? I mean, there, there's so much electric out there. And I know electric vehicles is, draws the attention in the media for sure. But you have heard many people say, what happens when the sun is not shining or what happens when the wind is not blowing. So totally understand and make sense about, about storage and managing that and making it more efficient in the future. So that's, that's terrific. So um, just want to wind up and make sure that our listeners understand if this has caught their attention or they want to learn more information about how can I, either as, an, as my company, I'm a commercial, and, and how can I learn more so I may be able to provide some value in the, in the system and those that are in need. Talk to us. Give us the lowdown, the, the website, best way to contact, things of that nature. Yeah, I think if you want to get in touch with us, check out our website, denvergov.org solar. You'll find a number of resources there as well as our contact information. You know, reach out to us with questions. We want to help people navigate. You know, there's a number of different ways that folks can go solar. It can get overwhelming very quickly. Mm -hmm. and we want to be a resource to help you find the solution that makes the most sense for you, your business, your customers, and you know your community uh, that you might be trying to create benefits for as well. You know, nonprofits, I mentioned we have a great program. There's still funding available right now. We're accepting applications. 
It's our Renewables and Resilience Incentive Program for nonprofits. And if you're interested in learning more about how Denver is using the Community Solar Program to really you know, put the community back in community solar, um, we'll have a number of, we've got information on our website as well as some upcoming press releases as we start to break ground on our first set of projects. That's great. Thanks for that info. You know, as I mentioned at the beginning, Johnny, the way you can explain, first of all, you're phenomenal at your job from, from just hearing you and the passion that you have, but the way you simplify all these programs and really help explain how it works, uh, I genuinely appreciate that. And I, I know our listeners do as well. And I know the show is usually about logistics and supply chain, but this is an important topic and it's really cool what Cap Logistics is doing uh, for the benefit of, uh, of the masses. So uh, I can't thank you enough, Johnny, for being on the show today. Uh, I think our audience has learned quite a bit and uh, hopefully you'll get a barrage of phone calls and inquiries here uh, in the foreseeable future. I hope so. Really, again, thanks so much for having me on. And, you know, I, I love talking about this stuff. I, I feel very fortunate to be in the position that I'm in trying to help create these programs and really help facilitate, uh, you know, a successful energy transition for all of us. And, you know, I've, I think I've figured out a, a thousand ways to explain all of this incorrectly in, in extremely <laughs> confusing terms. So hopefully I keep it getting, uh, getting better and better at getting the point across. Yeah, you did just that. A plus, A plus. <laughs> And I'd also, uh, you know, as we wind up, I want to thank our listeners for joining us today on Uptime Logistics, powered by Cap Logistics. You can find more information about the show in the description below. Don't forget to like and subscribe um, and, uh, you know, visit Cap uh, Logistics and learn more about the projects they're doing. So, again, Johnny, really appreciate it. I know our listeners uh, did as well and look forward to speaking to the Uptime Logistics Nation in the future. Thanks again, everybody. Take care.